Flip to Freedom, episode number 14. Hello again, my name is Sean Terry from the Flip to Freedom podcast. I'd like to welcome you to episode number 14. And if you're brand new listening to this podcast today, um, I am here to help you escape the 9 to 5, break out of the rat race, quit your job, fire your boss, and break free. Um, and you will achieve this by learning how you can make a fortune flipping properties in your spare time, even if you have no cash, no credit, and no experience. So today in this episode, we are going to discuss how to get a steal on a bank-owned home, how to negotiate, what to offer, uh, paperwork needed, inspections, uh, how to line up a buyer, how to renegotiate the deal. We're going to talk about a lot of good stuff today. Um, now, if you um, haven't visited uh, my website yet at Flip, the number two freedom.com go to flip to freedom.com and on the front page you'll see a video of me and you'll see a place where you can enter your email and i will email you a 129 page detailed comprehensive blueprint that will basically show you how to quit your job in 19 weeks or less. Now, the whole premise behind this podcast is basically to show you how to get one year's worth of your income in the bank as fast as possible. So if you say, let's say you make $50,000 a year, the goal is to get $50,000 a year, $50,000 of cash in the bank as fast as humanly possible. So then you will have the option to quit your job or not. And that's what uh, we are all about here. Now, you can download that for free at flip2freedom.com. All right. Now, stay tuned because uh, in this uh, podcast, I'm going to give you a great resource at the end, and I got a cool story about potential. So make sure you listen to uh, all the way through it. Now, let's get right into the meat because I know you like the meat. And this is how to steal a bank-owned property, how to get a smoking deal on a bank-owned. I, I get a lot of questions about that. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how to flip a bank-owned property uh, with, um, you know, which basically you don't have to buy it. And you don't have to take it down with cash and renovate it. But this is about how to wholesale a bank-owned property. Now, as you know, um, you know, banks are the biggest motivated seller in this market right now. I mean, um, everywhere you turn down streets and neighborhoods, especially here in Phoenix, Arizona, Nevada, California, Florida, and, and all across the entire country, um, banks have huge amounts of inventory, and they are the biggest motivated seller, I can, uh, I can tell you. Now, there are no hard and fast rules. These are just tips. And I want to tell you, I, I'm an aggressive, a very, very aggressive investor. Um, so this, uh, what I'm going to go through is um, – not for the faint of heart. <laughs> now you got to remember. I mean, I, I, I buy properties at the courthouse steps uh, here in Phoenix, and and at the courthouse steps, uh, I put up a ten thousand dollar non refundable cash deposit and a cashier's check, and we bid on properties that um, we just do a drive by on. Just do a drive by bid on the property, and then if we win, we have to pay cash within twenty four hours, um, and then we own the property. And you would, you know, some property. I, Actually, you know what? I'm going to put a link um, to the website of a property that that is the most unbelievable uh, story about this property. We made a forty. We we bought it, renovated it, and sold it. Made a forty-three thousand dollars on this property. But 
some of the pictures are just unbelievable. All I can tell you is when I walked in this house, it was stacked with boxes that hadn't, hadn't been cleaned in years, and there was a pile of dog poop in the middle of the entry. That's all I'm going to tell you. I'll put a link to our blog um, on there, and it'll, you can read the story about it. But it, um, I mean, some of the stuff you find, because because when you buy at the courthouse steps, you just do it on a drive-by. You can't get into the property and do an inspection and do all that type of stuff. Um, you're literally just buying a, on, a, on, on a drive-by. So, you know, bank-owned properties are good because you don't have to do that. At least you can get in and look at the property and uh, get an idea before, uh, before there's any um, type of commitment there. But, but we're going to talk about um, how to flip bank-owned properties wholesale. That's what this, uh, th- this is what we're going to talk about here. So there's no hard and fast rules. Um, there's, I'm going to give you tips that work. Um, I put, we put lots of offers in on bank-owned properties. You know, if we put 10 offers in, we'll get maybe one or two that actually work out for us for the price that we need to be at. So, um, you know, so not every deal banks are, um, you know, it just depends. I mean, banks are, are, are completely different. Some banks will, will uh, agree to the uh, reduced pricing. Some banks will allow you to renegotiate after the inspection period, and some won't. Some will say, you know, forget it. The price is a price. Buy it and go non-refundable or, or not. So, um, so, like I said, there's, you know, there's, these are tips that work most of the time. Um, so, okay. So, um, basically what, you know, what we want to do is first off, we've got to figure out, um, if we're wholesaling a property, we're wholesaling a property to a cash buyer. And we, first off, we want to find out what they are going to buy. We don't want to put offers in on bank owned properties that, that these buyers, these cash buyers, investors will not, will not buy. So what I do is within the MLS, now what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to uh, build a relationship with a realtor that can put offers in for you. Now, if you do this correctly, your agent um, will be making commissions paid by the bank uh, for you flipping these properties. So they'd be happy to put in offers for you uh, so they can make commissions. It's not coming out of your pocket. It's coming out of the bank's pocket when you turn around and, uh, and flip the property. So um, so you definitely want to make a, a good relationship with the agent. And when, you, when, you, uh, when, when you're trying to find what properties will sell, the best thing to do is go into the MLS, the multi-listing service, with your um, agent, you can go down to their office, or whatever, and you can search on the MLS or ask them to do a search for you and mail it, uh, email it to you. Um, but what you do is you, you can go in the MLS and you can do a search um, for transactions that have closed in the last 60 days that are cash only, and do it for your whole county. So you can see that there's pockets within the county uh, that are hot. Um, we have areas here in in Phoenix. There are there are tight, tight areas where people only buy. Um, I mean, not, not only buy, but there are heavy volume of cash transactions in in a, in a particular subdivision or a particular uh, neighborhood. So, um, what you want to do is pull that data, and you will see that there are pockets within your county or within your neighborhood where there are a lot of cash transactions. Now, you also want to find out what price range. You know what? What price range are they buying in? You don't want to put offers in on bank-owned properties that are three hundred and fifty, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars, when all the cash buyers, the majority of the properties, are going for you know under two hundred thousand dollars. You want to find uh, and make offers in on properties that you know that if you get it under contract at a good price, you can sell it uh, to your cash buyer. So that is uh, that's 
a definite. So finding out exactly you know, what your buyers will buy, and you do that by just looking at previous data, 60-day data on the MLS of cash transactions that happened. Now, what I've found when flipping bank-owned properties is that you have to add value to the cash buyer. Now, you know, uh, I remember I, I got a call from a, um, uh, a lady who uh, tied up a bank-owned property and she wanted me to buy it as a, uh, as for, you know, for a fix and flip because obviously we have a lot of uh, marketing out in the market and she found our information either online or through bandit signs or through direct mail, whatever, but um, of us being uh, large buyers. So, so she called me up and said, hey, I've got this property. It's worth $80,000. Um, uh, i am selling it for uh, $40,000. Um, and uh, I want you to come look at it. Well, after I pulled up, I pulled up the data on the uh, on the MLS, and I realized that you know it, I, I could buy it on the MLS for for thirty thousand. She's trying to sell it to me for forty thousand. Well, that doesn't work. She's not really adding value, but just getting the property under contract. If you are going to try to flip a bank owned property, you can't tie it up, you know, and for thirty thousand or fifty thousand, and try to sell it for sixty thousand because most of the sophisticated buyers have access to MLS or they have agents that will um, send them property data and they will see that the property is marked up $10,000 more than the actual list price and it's going to be very, very difficult to sell. Now, but what will work and how you can add value is offer a property that's, say, listed for 50000 and now you're going to sell it for forty-five thousand, or you're going to sell it for forty thousand. Now you can offer the property uh, to the cash buyer for three to five percent below, you know, some like somewhere ten percent below um, what the actual list price is. So when they go in and they pull the data and they look in the MLS, they will see that this property is uh, is below market. And uh, they're obviously believe that they've you know that you negotiated the property and you got a good deal on it. So uh, don't try to sell a bank-owned property to a cash buyer above what the list price is. It doesn't work. All right. Now there's six key components to success uh, for getting a smoking deal with a bank-owned property. All right. First one's this. What? Um, first off, we have to know what properties to search for. Um, you have to know what properties to find. We kind of discussed that. The other one, too, is what to offer. Number two is what to offer. Uh, number three is what paperwork is needed. Number four is inspection. During the inspection, you want to do an inspection on the property. Uh, number five is lining up a buyer during the inspection. And uh, number six is uh, renegotiating the property. Those are the six key components of success to uh, getting a smoking deal. And then we'll talk about each one of them. Now, uh, what properties to search for? Um, first off, you want to eliminate any uh, Fannie Mae properties. Fannie Mae has a deed restriction on properties that won't allow you to flip a property um, for, a, I believe it's, you know, I mean, I think it's like 20, 10% or 20% of the previous sale. Um, so if it's a $100,000 house, uh, you know, 20%, 20000 you can't sell it for more than you know, 120000 
on that or the seller can't turn around and sell it for more and it's within like a six month period so they're going to be restricted if they're trying to do a fix and flip and they only can sell it for $120,000 and you sell it to them for one hundred and ten. well now there's only a $10,000 profit and if it needs fix up and renovation and stuff it's not going to work so eliminate Fannie Mae properties within your search um, because they have deed restrictions now you want to look for properties that have been on the market for at least 90 days now, if it's been on the market for 90 days, it, the property becomes stagnant. It's been it's sitting there and um, it hasn't sold, and the bank is getting antsy. After 90 days, the bank is getting antsy, and they will look at all offers. The next one is uh, properties that have at least one price reduction within that 90 days. So you do a search. Now, now think about this. You have the MLS, and in the MLS, you have your county. And you're going to have pockets where there's lots of cash transactions within these pockets. Now, within those pockets, you're looking for properties that have been on the market for 90 days and had at least one price reduction in there. So that means they're flexible on the price. And then also to properties that only can be purchased cash only. That means they cannot get conventional financing on it. That means they can't um, they can't get FHA financing on it because of uh, some sort of um, um, it doesn't have flooring. It doesn't have a, a, the, all the, the kitchen put together. Um, there's maybe no AC in the property. Uh, maybe there's roof issues with the property. Um, but there'll be notes within the MLS that the agents will put. They'll say a cash only transaction. Okay, so that's 90 days, at least one price reduction, cash only, in specific areas that's not Fannie Mae, um, where there's lots of, uh, lots of uh, activity going on. All right, now what to offer. Now, when you are offering, um, you're going to work, obviously working with your agent, and I'm going to tell you, there is, like I said, I'm aggressive, so it's going to take some intestinal fortitude. It's going to take guts to offer what what I offer on on properties and get. Um, you don't have to do it this way, um, but I do do it this way, and it and it and it works. Now, you want to offer ten to twenty percent earnest money of the purchase price. You got a hundred thousand dollar house, you know. Maybe not do ten thousand dollars on something like that. I would do maybe maybe my, my fault. Do one percent. Uh, to 2% earnest money. So, so you know, $100,000 house, you want to offer you know, $1,000 earnest money, $500 earnest money, $2,000 earnest money, um, something like that. So, uh, you know, if you get a $500,000 house, you might want to offer, you know, three to $5,000 earnest money if in your particular market, if you're in California or something. But, um, but typically about 1% of the purchase price can be for earnest money. Um, I offer no inspection period, none, um, and I'm going to tell you why I do that in a second. I offer a 10-day close after acceptance, and I waive all financing contingencies. So now what happens is the agent on the other side is going to get the offer, and he's going to see I'm serious. I'm a cash buyer. I have no inspection period, and I have a 10-day close after acceptance. Now when he's lining up the other offers on the property – and he looks at, at all these different offers, then he's going to say, "Wow, well, well, I've got this one right here that's that's uh, you know you know that's uh, needs a ten day inspection and this, and they're going to and the other offer has um, y- you know has a forty five day close. The other one has you're going to your offer is going to stand out as uh, as someone that's the most serious um, that that wants to purchase a property. So 
Um, now remember, we are flipping this, um, so we are not going to be actually cutting a check for it, writing a check for it. We're going to be flipping this. So, so I offer a no inspection period, ten day close after acceptance, and waive um, the financing contingency. Now, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. When you put an offer in like that, the agent will look at that offer as the best offer. They'll take that. They'll submit it to the asset manager. And what happens is let's say the asset manager accepts it. They're going to send you back a bank addendum. Every bank has a like 25 or 30-page addendum um, that they have. And they're going to, you're going to get this addendum. And in the addendum, what I've seen – is they most of the time, 95% of the time, they give you a 10-day inspection period in the addendum, which in that addendum supersedes your contract. So they'll send you an addendum. They'll say, fill out this addendum, send it back with your proof of funds. So what happens is you will get uh, this addendum, and it will have a 10-day – even though you put zero – uh, you know, no inspection period. It will come back with ten days. You know, it, I mean, I, I've done hundreds of bank owned offers and negotiated hundred bank owned, hundreds of bank owned deals, and ninety five percent of them come back with that. Now, if it doesn't come back with that, then then you know, and, and they and they want you to have a no inspection period, then I would cancel the deal right there and say, you know what, I found another property. But most of the time, they will come back um, with an addendum that says a, a ten day inspection. Why they do that, I have no idea. Um, and uh, so that works. Okay, now paperwork needed. So that's it. Now, now let's let's talk about purchase price. What what do you offer uh, for for purchase price? Well, what I'll do do is figure out when you're looking at the comps in the area. You're 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 with the same formula we talked about in the upper, other episodes, which is this: um, cash buyers will buy properties that are seventy percent of value less repairs of after repair value. So let's say you have. Um, you know this area where there's lots of cash transactions. What you're going to do within the MLS is you're going to look for properties that have been renovated. Now, you can do that by looking at the pictures. Now, let's say theoretically you have a property that's a hundred thousand dollars. It's been fully renovated. The kitchen's been done. The flooring's been done. It's been repainted. It looks nice, and they and they and it has sold for a hundred thousand dollars. Well, you know that um, that that's the after repair value. That's what the your cash buyer will buy it from you, and they can sell it for that. So they'll buy at seventy percent, seventy thousand dollars less repairs. Now let's say the property needs ten thousand dollars of repairs, five thousand dollars of repairs. Well, you would take that off. So seventy thousand less ten thousand would be sixty thousand dollars. So on that particular property, you would need to be at fifty thousand dollars, right, to sell it at sixty thousand dollars to make a ten thousand dollar profit. You follow me? So, so in this example, let's say theoretically um, there's a $100,000 after repair, fully renovated house. And let's say this bank-owned property is on the market for 90 days. They've had a, a one rep- price reduction. It's not Fannie Mae owned. And it's on the market for, say, $75,000. Or let's say it's on the market for $68,000. Well, what you would want to do is come in and do your offer that we talked about and come in at, you know, I would say like $48,000, give you a little bit room to negotiate. And um, and then let's say if you get accepted at, say, $52,000, well, you know you can sell it around $60,000 or higher, and you could make a profit on this property. Um, so that's that's basically the formula, 70% less repairs, and then you want to get it less than that, obviously, um, uh, to make a profit. Now, if it's listed at or close, 
that number, like in the 60000 50000 then you know you've got a great deal. Always offer less, of course, because it's been on the market for a while, um, to try to get a better deal, of course. Um, now, let's say it's, it's, uh, it's on the market you know, for $68,000, then you definitely want to get, obviously, less than that. So when you're selling it to the cash buyer for, say, $60,000, um, they're going to see they get an $8,000 differential in price. They get $8,000 off on what they could have purchased it for in the MLS if they would have negotiated, and you're still able to make a profit on it. All right. Paperwork needed. Now, your realtor will write up all the paperwork for you, but obviously you'll need a purchase contract, right? And also you'll need a proof of funds. has to have a proof of funds with a purchase contract. Your realtor is going to tell you you definitely need it. Um, so where do you get a proof of funds at? Um, there's a couple different sources. One, go to your real estate investing club. In your real estate investing club, there will be um, hard money guys there. You can talk to the uh, president there or wh- whoever's running the show there and ask him if they could uh, introduce you to any hard money resources. Um, so what you're going to do is you're going to you're going to you're going to uh, you're going to build a relationship with a hard money. Uh, um, lender there. Now, hard money lender, what they can do is they can give you a proof of funds for the purchase price. So in our, in our example, it's a uh, it's $100,000 after repair value um, uh, at 70000 less repairs. Let's say theoretically it needs $10,000 worth of repairs. So um, you know you can sell it to a cash buyer for $60,000. let us say it's listed for $68,000. You come in and offer $48,000. Um, you know that you, and you have a purchase price. Let's say you negotiate it at fifty thousand. If sorry, sorry about all these numbers, I hope you uh, hope you can follow me on this. But so so you get it under contract for fifty thousand um, dollars. Your uh, um, basically your hard money guy can give you a proof of funds for the fifty thousand uh, dollars for that. So you can show that to the bank and you can uh, get uh, be able to get the offer accepted because you can show that you have a hard money lender with no contingencies behind you. Uh, that can fund that $50,000, okay? Um, now, also, you want to ask the hard money source if they can do what's called transactional funding. Transactional funding is sometimes banks won't let you do what's called a double escrow, a simultaneous close. So what a transactional funding is is that hard money lender will fund in to close your first leg of the transaction, and then you'll essentially own it for a day and allowing you to sell it to your end buyer for the higher price of, let's say, $60,000, so you can make the profit in between. Now, um, the hard money lender will uh, charge maybe $1,000 or $2,000, so that will come out of your profit. But, you know, if you're theoretically going to make, you know, say, ten to $8,000 to $10,000 on the deal and you have to give them one or two, you're still going to make a good, you know, sizable profit uh, for tying up this property and uh, turn around selling it to the cash buyer. So that's sometimes you'll need transactional funding, and it, the, the, you can talk to your uh, title or escrow officer determine um, if they'll need to do that for a double escrow for that. Okay. Now, like I said, you can go to um, uh, real estate investment clubs, or you can Google your city and then hard money, you know, um, and you can uh, find that. And there are some uh, hard money lenders that have websites that you can go to, and you can kind of look at what they might do transactional funding. A lot of them do. Um, and uh, and you can contact them and uh, build a relationship with them. 
All right. Now, once you submit the offer, it takes roughly anywhere from one to three weeks to get a response from the asset manager. So what's going to happen is your agent's going to fill out the paperwork. They're going to have the purchase contract. They're going to have the the um, might be an as is addendum that goes along with it, um, and then they're going to have the proof of funds. They're going to submit it to the other agent, and the other agent's going to take it in, and the and they're going to look at it, and they are going to turn around and submit it to the asset manager. Um, and the asset manager is going to take it in house. They're going to do their numbers, and it usually takes one to three weeks to get a response from the asset manager. Now, once you have a response from the asset manager, what they're going to do is they're going to say, okay, we're going to accept it, or they're going to counter your offer. Now, if they counter your offer, let's say in our example, you offered 48000 they counter and say they want fifty-two. Well, I'd probably go in and accept it because I know I can sell for sixty. So I've already got an $8,000 potential profit built in the deal already. Okay, at fifty-two thousand. So, um, so now you would uh, accept that offer, right? And then you go into opening up escrow. Now, if you have an earnest money deposit, say of uh, five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, you will have to write a check for that five hundred to a thousand dollars, and you will have to open up escrow um, on the property. Now, once you open up escrow. Now, make sure you read the addendum that they send that send back. Make sure you have the inspection period. Do not open escrow. Disclaimer, make sure, you know, let me back up and disclaimer here. You know, these addendums, if you don't know what you're doing, you can get screwed, you could lose your earnest money, or they could sue you for um, uh, for specific uh, performance. So make sure you have your attorney read that addendum, okay? And, and the biggest thing you're looking for is make sure that you have a 10-day inspection period. Like I said, it takes some intestinal fortitude to get these deals done. Um, but if you know what you're doing, you can get smoking deals and you can flip a lot of these properties if done right. Okay. But I just want to let you know, I'm not an attorney and I can't recommend that you uh, just sign this paperwork and just submit it. Um, you got to read it thoroughly and have someone else read it for you. Uh, that can understand it and have your agent uh, you know, with you and read it for you uh, so you make sure you understand it thoroughly. All right? So, but you're making sure in the addendum that you have a 10-day inspection period. Now, when, now, once you sign that paperwork and you send it back, then you'll be opening up escrow. So you have this addendum that comes over, you sign it, send it back, and, and you'll open up escrow. Once you open up escrow, you'll have the 10-day inspection period. Sometimes it's seven days, but you know, majority of the time it's 10 days. And during that inspection period, you're going to do two different things. You're going to market the property to your cash buyers, and you're going to have an inspector go out and inspect the property and provide you with a PDF report of the inspection ASAP. Now, you want to, uh, you know, you know, as soon as you get that, you want to get the, uh, you know, the pictures up to uh, Picasa is what we use uh, for, through Google to uh, to post our pictures. You want to get all the information about the property. You want to get an email out to your cash buyers ASAP uh, so they can uh, see the property and look at it. Now, the property more than likely will be vacant. Um, so you want to be able to have access with your realtor to get into the property, uh, so they can, uh, they can see the property or they can uh, look at enough pictures that you've taken of the property, uh, to be able to make a decision on it. Now, the goal is to get the property sold within your 10 day inspection period, sold meaning not, not closed and sold, but under contract and collecting an earnest money deposit to offset your earnest money deposit. 
Okay, so what happens is you're going to have a uh, you're going to have the cash buyer. Um, they're going to sign a contract with you, and they're going to give you a non-refundable deposit of uh, the identical amount or more of what you put down for a deposit. So then you're covered. Now you have no risk, and that's what I typically do within that 10-day inspection period. I do two things: I get it out to my cash buyers ASAP. I get interest in the property. Now, if I don't get any interest in the property within those 10 days, it's going out the first day. My email is going out the first day that I open up escrow. And I'm going to be talking to buyers and making sure they see the property and getting a commitment. You'll know within a couple days if you got a good deal or not because you will have people calling in and commitments on the property um, very quickly. Um, and you'll know if you got a deal or not. Now, your goal is to get it sold or committed in an earnest money deposit within those 10 days. Uh, if you do that, then you know you have it lined up. You have the property sold. You have the property a buyer lined up. You have his hard money, earnest money deposit lined up, and uh, and then now you have a, a locked in profit. Let's say sixty thousand dollars. You get a contract on it, and you're in escrow for fifty two thousand dollars. You know you have a locked in profit for eight thousand dollars. So now the goal is to maximize that profit. So now you meet the inspector out there at the property. Okay, and. Um, um, or he just goes out to the property. You don't really have to be there. I don't go meet the inspector anymore. I used to meet the inspector the first couple times. I don't anymore. I'm just too busy. So the inspector goes out there. He comes back with a detailed PDF report uh, of exactly every issue with the property. Now, what I would do in that particular point is now you take the PDF report with all the issues, write a cover letter, and the cover letter is basically going to say that you um, there are multiple issues in the property and you're going to list all those issues and you need a price reduction or you're going to cancel the contract. Okay? So that is renegotiating. Okay? Renegotiating. So now you're in the inspection period, you're about 3 or 4 days before it's ended and you're going to go back and renegotiate the price. You're going to have the PDF report. It's probably going to be ugly because it's bank owned. It's been in been in distress. You know, even some pretty houses have some some issues with the AC or the roof or the cracked tile or the or the you know or foundation cracks or something like that. There's always issues um, with properties unless it was you know just built last year. Uh, but typically, what happens is you'll find issues with that. I usually send a cover letter, have the agent send a cover letter to the other agent saying we want a price reduction uh, because the uh, property is worse off than expected. Um, and typically ask for anywhere from a three to five percent price reduction. So if you have a you know sixty thousand dollar house, you know you'd ask for a three to five thousand dollars off on the purchase price. Now, two things are going to happen. They're going to say no. It's a fifty fifty shot that they'll reduce. But you know what? My father-in-law always says, if you don't ask, you don't get. So they turn around, you submit it and say, listen, I'm thinking about canceling. Um, there's too many problems with the property. Here's the list of everything that's wrong with the property. I've got an inspection on the property and it's worse off than I expected. I want a reduction. So now, remember, you, um, you have it sold to the cash buyer for $60,000 in our theoretical example. You're an escrow of $52,000. Now, you get a $3,000 to $5,000 reduction. That just opens up the profit for you. Now you turn a $8,000 deal into a ten dollars or $12,000 deal um, just by asking um, for a price reduction. Like I said, it's a 50-50 shot, but it's worth, uh, you know, definitely worth doing. Now, once accepted, now once, you're, once they say no, but you 
you know, but but you say, okay, fine, we're just going to continue with the process, and I'm and we're going to get the deal closed. What you're going to do is you're going to do a double escrow, and this is where you'll need potentially the transactional funding from your hard money source. And what they do at transactional fundings, we talked about, they'll wire in the funds for a short period of time, a 24 to 48 hours, so you can close on your first leg of your transaction, your buy side with the bank transaction, and then. You'll have the sell side where then the buyer will fund in their funds, the $60,000, of which now you bought it for, say, $48,000 or, you know, or with 52. Yes, yeah, so you say you bought it for $48,000. They'll fund in the uh, $60,000. The differential will go to you, the profit, and then they now will own the property for the $60,000, and you would make the profit in between there. So... So that extra four thousand, so yeah, what is that eight? So twelve thousand dollars. So that twelve thousand dollars would go to you less closing cost, okay? And that's what's uh, what's called double escrow. So that is basically my procedure for uh, uh, putting offers in and getting uh, awesome, awesome deals on bank-owned properties. Um, if now let's talk about if they, what if you can't get it sold within that ten-day period? Well. Cancel the contract. Just say, you know what? I went out, you know, looked at the property, got the inspection. You know, it just it just didn't work. So you'll get your earnest money back. You will, it might be out the two hundred and fifty or three hundred dollars for the inspection. Um, but if you get to learn, if you learn this and you're comfortable with this, you'll understand what your cash buyers are looking for. And if you follow the formula, they'll buy the property. And uh, and you'll be able to make a profit. Now, what if theoretically you you, you make average five thousand dollars? You know, per transaction, and you do three of these a month. There are so many bank-owned properties out there, you know, that will fit the criteria. Criteria with been on the market for ninety days, um, had at least one price reduction. It's not Fannie Mae owned, and you do three a month. That's an extra fifteen thousand dollars a month, not including the leads coming in from say. Um, you know, bandit signs, direct mail marketing, internet marketing. That's just extra, you know, extra stuff. And I'm going to tell you, this week has been crazy. I mean, I was in at my beach house this weekend in California. Had a blast with the kids. Went to the beach. Looked for, you know, you know, you know, what, oysters and clams. All this. I was had a had a blast with them. Monday I was at Disneyland all day with them. And um, came flying in back on Monday night. Um, I had appointments all day Tuesday. Tuesday, closed on a transaction, made 10000 Turned around, sold on the property. We're making about $8,600. Uh, then that night, had a dinner with two other investors. Sold two more properties. We'll make about another 10000 apiece on. So that was 10 20 30 that, that was like – that was close to a $40,000 day of selling properties. Now, we didn't close all on them that day, but we sold them, and we're going to be closing on them within the next seven days um, on these – that's a $40,000 week of just properties. One of them came from a bandit sign. One of them came from uh, – um, I mean internet marketing. One of them came from uh, one of our one of the, one of the uh, students I'm working with that tied up a property, and, uh, and I helped them, walked them through the process. And so they're excited. They're going to get their first check next week, and they're – believe me, they're ecstatic. And it's just phenomenal. This business is the best. I'm telling you, if you're working a job, working nine to five – you know, hating what you do, despising Monday mornings. I mean, this job is the best, I'm telling you. And 
there's going to come to a point to where you're just like, you know what? I want more. I want to do more, and I want to be more. And this is the best vehicle to get in right now, because I'm telling you, the real estate market it, 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 it's in cycles. 1992. I remember when Trump, you know, he was, um, you know, had his troubles. It was a real estate cycle. And what happened was, is people during that time, during when pr- and prices were were uh, at astonishing low prices and RTC was was selling properties at pennies on the dollar. There were people like you and I that went out and bought properties and got involved in real estate. And what happens is then the market continued to go up, 94, 95, 96, 97, all the way up to 2005. That was a run right there. All the way to 2005 and people made a fortune in real estate. What happens is then 2006, 7, 8, Market crashed. Here in Phoenix, the market went down 60%, 70% in some, in some neighborhoods. Well, now's the time to buy. Especially, I mean, you got Texas, you got, you know, you got New York, you got Detroit, you got all these places across the country which markets have, have crashed. And now that now's the time to learn this business. And I'm not saying you have to quit your job. The goal is to get one year's worth of your income in the bank as fast as humanly possible by learning this. And then, see, what's great about this is most of the information, most of the stuff here can be done by your agent. They're going to be working for you, putting in these offers. You just got to instruct them on what to do. Like, you don't have to go out there for the inspection. You know, you, you probably want to go look at, you know, once you get all the numbers, you probably want to go look at the property, of course, and you can do that on the weekend. And then make two or three or four or five offers with your agent. One or two or three will stick. You know, two will stick maybe. And you might get down to one that you know you can make work. And then you can turn around and flip that and make, you know, eight to $12,000 on it. So, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a great opportunity. We will, we'll tell you, we will go through another cycle and the market will go up. We've got to get through this, this period, right, this lull time right now. But you know what? I don't want the market to get better. Right now is a great time. You can get smoking deals on properties. You know, and once the market goes up and everyone's happy about the real estate and, you know, and, 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 you know, and that, that de- depressed real estate feelings out of the air, it's a lot more difficult to get great deals. Now's the time to get involved in it. Now, I want to tell you, uh, uh, so my, my conclusion on this is this, is I personally don't like doing bank-owned deals, but I do them because there's money to be made. I like dealing with motivated sellers because guess what? I don't have to put earnest money up. I don't have to go back and forth in negotiation. If I want to do a double escrow, I can. If I want to do an assignment, I can do that too. But you know what? Bank-owned properties are great. And because you can submit offers, if it works out great, if it doesn't, oh well. Don't get emotionally involved with the deal. You know, I, I like I said, I put you know hundreds of bank loans offer. I don't buy every one of them. I don't flip every one of them. I back out on a lot of them. You know, and there are some that go through, and there are some that don't. I try so I don't waste anybody's time. Is I try to get deals I know I can make work, and it falls within the criteria, and I can get the deal done, and then turn around, flip it, and make a profit. Now, I heard this story. Um, that was that's great. And it's about potential. Okay, and it's about a, a gentleman in his mid to late nineties, and he's on his deathbed. Life is over; it's done. He's on his deathbed. He's sick. He's laying there, and his entire family is around him. He's got his son. He's got his daughter. He's got his wife that is there. You know, he's got his uh, grandkids that are there there with him, and he is sitting in his bed, and he's sitting there within hours before his death. And 
he started, you know, uh, thinking and he started having regrets about his life. I should have done more. I should have, you know, I should have spent more time with my family. I should have, you know, I should have went out and took those risks and took those, you know, opportunities. But, you know, fear uh, drove him into uh, just staying with the norm, just just doing what everybody else is doing. So he's on his deathbed and he's having all these thoughts of regrets going, boy, I mean, what I, what I could have done, what I should have done. And he said a prayer. He said, God, if you're listening, please give me one more shot. Just give me one more shot. And in a flash of a second, an angel came down and said, I'm going to give you another shot at life. You can be anybody you want to be. Anybody you want to be, you can pick. And the angel took off back in the heavens. Now, I mean, he thought he was, he he thought he was dreaming. He just, you know, couldn't believe it. So he he started thinking like, wow, who do I want to be? He started thinking, well, you know, I mean, mean, think about all the people going, "Who, who could I be? I could be anyone I want. I can come back any way I want. Who would I be? So he's thinking, wow, should I be Kobe Bryant? You know, famous basketball player. You know, the, the best basketball player right now. You know, comparable to Michael Jordan. Should I be Kobe Bryant? What about Drew Bledsoe? He's a sports guy, right? So what, what about Drew Bledsoe? You know, quarterback for the New England Patriots. You know, won Super Bowls. Good-looking guy. You know, has the girls, has tons of money. Should it be Drew Bledsoe? And he started thinking about movies. You know, what about, you know, his, uh, he, even at 92, he liked Entourage. So he, uh, Mark Wahlberg. So he's like, hey, what, you know, why not be Marky Mark Wahlberg? And, and he started thinking about that. What, you know, what if I was, you know, Mark Wahlberg? That'd be a great life, you know? And then he started thinking, you know, what, but I want to be the nice guy that all the, all the women like. What about, what about Patrick Dempsey? Should I be Patrick Dempsey? And, and uh, so he had all these different things going. What should I do? What should I be? And he paused and he thought about it. But an hour later, the angel came buzzing down. Again, sat beside him on his bed. And the angel says, so what will it be? Who do you want to be? And he saw it, thought about it for a second in, in his eyes welled up. And he said, I want to be me at my full potential. I want to be me at 100%. I want to be me. I want to be the best dad. I want to be the best husband. I want to be the, you know, uh, you know live my life the way I'm at, at 100%, full board. I want to live my life at 100%. In the flash of a second, Angel granted his wishes. And he had a chance to live his life again at full potential. Now let me ask you, what would your life be like at full potential? Now the chances of an angel coming down when you're on your deathbed at 92 years old with your family around you and granting you a wish where you could do life over again is slim to none. But guess what? Between then and now, 
you have an unbelievable opportunity to take advantage and live a life that most people only dream of. We've got one shot at life, and this is it. Between when you are born and when you die, there's a time frame. And that dash in the middle is what counts. See, all I know about me is I want to be like an orange. An orange that has no juice in it. It's just pulp. So when I'm on my deathbed, I just want it to be just pulp. Nothing left. No juice, no potential, nothing. That's what I want to be. And real estate might be not the end-all, be-all for you, but it might be able to get you out of a job, give you a cushion to do what you're passionate about. I love real estate, and I love teaching people. I mean, I, I just love it. Nothing more would be more satisfying for me is if you take little chunks, and I'm not saying I'm the, you know, guru of all, I'm not. I'm just an average guy who has, you know, found a way to make money in real estate and absolutely love it. I'm just sharing my experience with you. And if you can get just a little bit of that and apply it to your life and you can make money doing it and it allows you to do the what you're passionate about, whatever you're passionate about, and you get to do that and you get to do it and live your life at full potential, then that's the best thing that could happen in the world. That's awesome. We're giving back. Another very successful person told me the more people you help in your life, the more people you help make successful, the more you'll become successful. You know what? And there's many, 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 many years that I have just looked out for me. I went out and I did deals for myself or did, you know, did, you know, and I just cared about just doing deals. I didn't want sharing in this, any of this information because I thought it, I learned it all. I learned how about internet marketing and how to, how to, how to get deals online. I learned about the, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the secret, you know, yellow letters that work really well to get direct response. I learned all this information and how to make offers on bank owned properties. I didn't want to tell anybody. I just wanted to keep it to myself. But you know what? That's not it. Success in life is sharing as much information as possible to help other people. You know what? And if, like I said, if you turn around and take a small portion of this information and you get to live a life uh, that you've only dreamed of, then that's, that's the best thing that can happen. Now, I also talked, said I had a great resource for you. There's a great resource. It's a podcast, and the podcast is by Jason Hartman from Creating Wealth Podcast. You can search it in iTunes, um, and uh, just search Jason Hartman or Creating Wealth Podcast in iTunes under Business and Investing uh, for Real Estate. He is awesome. This guy, I mean... I, I mean, this guy is brilliant, and he has some unbelievable interviews. I love, love listening to Jason Hartman because um, he asks great questions for his interviews. He also has some um, um, uh, great market information of what's going on in the marketplace right now in different areas of the country. And and what's great about him is, you know, uh, you know, th- this podcast that I do is about flipping properties. Now, flipping properties doesn't build wealth. Flipping properties allows you to quit your job, and it gets cash coming in, you know, quickly. I mean, you know, very quickly. And what you do is you can take that cash, and then you can listen to like Jason Hartman, you know, or and then you can build a portfolio of properties. You can you can take that cash and reinvest it and buy cash flow properties. 
and you can build a long-term portfolio of properties that can make you an absolute fortune down the road. This is a stepping stone for someone that's brand new, that's working a job, they want to quit, you know, get out of it. This is step one. Step two, then go to listen to Jason Hartman about building a portfolio. Some great information. I love listening to his podcast. I know you'll love it. I highly recommend it. Awesome guy. Now, Make sure you subscribe in iTunes to uh, the Flip to Freedom podcast because next week I have been working on this interview that you are absolutely going to love. Um, I don't want to tell you what it is. I just want you to subscribe and make sure you get next week's, next week's episode, um, and it's awesome. <clears throat> I'm actually doing a, uh, an interview um, that I have not heard anybody I mean, I, and I listen to all the podcasts or real estate investing. Look at, I mean, nobody has this information. It's it's going to rock your world. It's awesome. You've got to listen to it next week. Um, I'm working on it. So I'm trying to get all the pieces put together so I can get this done for you next week. So uh, I, uh, I'm working on it. So make sure you uh, subscribe for that. Now, remember, if you'd like to download my free comprehensive blueprint on how to quit your job in 19 weeks or less, please go to flip to freedom.com that's flip the number two freedom.com it's absolutely free it's a 129 page detailed report on how to quit your job in 19 weeks or less all right that's it for this week i'll see you next week until next time i wish you ultimate success and passion in your real estate investing business take care and god bless 